I was in Punk Burger the other day with our friend Anne mm-hmm. getting a burger. And um, on the overhead speaker, very faintly, it was like in the middle of conversation, I just stopped and I was like, are they playing the Hamilton soundtrack? And they were. <laughs> they were like playing. the whole soundtrack? Or no, there, like- there was a song from the soundtrack. Play. I forget which one it was, but there's a song from the Hamilton because I just like very faintly heard like Lin-Manuel Miranda rapping in the background. And I was like... <laughs> an interesting choice for it like sounds like a mad lib when you say it like yeah it's like that's an interesting choice of background music in this establishment and then a couple minutes later in mid-conversation i stopped again and i was like are they playing american football <laughs> and they were playing never meant i just want to know what kind of playlist that was person contains multitudes like you can't yeah. even imagine like what is that venn diagram it's like those circles are barely touching <laughs> it's like they're go- they're about to kiss you they're know they're like about to kiss <laughs> hi i'm rachel and i'm lauren through years of playing together through our band coping skills our collaborations have often focused more on bits and banter than on actual music so we created a space for our superfluous antics to thrive alongside music commentary interviews and more this, this is more talk, talk. Less rock. I just wanna stay home and play my songs with my friends. That's me. Yeah. 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 So Rachel. Yes, Laura. <laughs> Today's a very exciting day for me. You seem you giddy. giddy. I am giddy beyond. I am pretty giddy. Um, we talk a lot about music on the show. It, it Would is you say? Uh, part of the, the whole spiel. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And uh, in the realm of my musical interests, I feel like there is a pretty gaping hole um, that we haven't talked about. Okay, go on. And it's musicals. And, you know that makes a lot of sense to me. And as a former current theater kid, <laughs> can I can I just say that I think one of the first things that I ever knew about you was that you were a, a theater kid. Really? That is like an early just fact that this, I have in my in my like consciousness about about you. This is a thing that surprises people that you were a former theater kid. I was just talking to Anna Ladd about this. Our mutual friend Anna Ladd. Yeah, friend of the pod. Anna friend Ladd. of the pod Anna Ladd. Game newly newly friend game show host Anna, Anna Ladd. Ladd. Yes. Who had mentioned to me recently, she was like, or one time we were walking home to the house that we all lived in at the time. Um Sad and girl? I, yeah. Okay. And I had mentioned something about this was like this was before, very early in the time when, like, I didn't really talk about myself and didn't talk to anybody. Wait, <laughs> I, has that changed? No, it hasn't. <laughs> um, and I had mentioned something about being really into theater. And she was like, really? Like, <laughs> like this was very surprising to her. Yeah, I feel like, and me, you know. It's, Tell it like it is. It's been a while. Give it to me straight. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if I had any, like, uh, qualifying thoughts around it. I feel like just an early thing that I knew is that you had been going to Fordham for theater, but not for theater. Well, I had applied to Fordham with the intention of going for theater. Right. And then didn't get into the theater school. Right. Because I was not very good. <laughs> but I feel <laughs> but like... we'll get to it. I just like, like, you know, and, and honestly, I don't even have like a lot of That's very knowledge funny. around that part of your past. So since we yeah. are about to do an entire episode yeah. about musical theater. Yeah. Why don't we start by you telling us all about your 
your your deep dark musical theater past. My deep dark musical theater past. Okay, I'm ready. I mean, I had done shows pretty much my entire childhood. My high school had a thing where you had to do a sport two of the three seasons, and the only exception to that was if you were doing the theater performance. Every year we did um, a musical and a play. My high school did too. Yeah, and then a um. Did you do like a fall play spring musical? We swapped it okay. every year because there were some people who played sports who wanted to do the shows. And so one year we would do the musical in the fall and the play in the winter. And then the next year we'd do the play in the fall and the musical in the winter. Got it. And then the spring was always like um like a special kind of review type show. It was like a different thing. Got it. Um, And I had sworn off of sports after I played soccer when I was six very briefly and i got kicked in the head with a soccer ball oh. and i said this is no longer for me <laughs> i will not be coming back and i have never played a sport since good for you <laughs> and i was also a dancer for all that time too took a lot of dance classes those were my extracurricular activities i went to dance class and i went to theater rehearsal and that was all i did <laughs> that is and honestly that's a lot because those was, things are time intensive. It was a lot of the time. Like there were times when I would like right after school out of theater rehearsal that I'd have to go straight to dance class and I like wouldn't have a lot of time. It was it was pretty stupid. But I loved it. Like I again was never that good. I mostly wanted to go to theater school because I didn't want to do anything that academic because I didn't really want to go to college because I feel like I wouldn't be good at it, which mm-hmm. I <laughs> we've touched on it. <laughs> we don't have to go back. But if you've listened to the show, you know our opinions yeah. on college. Yeah. Maybe I should have dropped out of college. Yeah, so all that just to say that I did a lot of theater. I did all the shows in school. Because I also had a rule because there was an extracurricular requirement. Like they couldn't like they couldn't not cast somebody who came out to audition. So anyone who auditioned could be in the show in some capacity. They just mm. had to like figure out how to do it. There was like one show. I was in a production of Into the Woods my freshman year of high school where it was like me and a couple of friends. So they were like they cast every other person in the ensemble cast. And there were like the three of us left. And they were like, oh, well, you'll just be like fairies. And you'll just like carry around a little bird. And I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> But it was fun. I don't know, you know. Yeah. I just had to be a part of it, you know. <laughs> just yeah. did a lot of theater. And I loved musicals in general. And I saw a couple of them on Broadway. I saw Wicked. I think that was the first musical I ever saw on Broadway. I saw a production of the revival of Les Mis. Mm. I saw a chorus line. I saw In the Heights on Broadway on a school trip, like, Two weeks after it opened, it was the whole original cast, including wow. Lin-Manuel Miranda in the lead role before, like, anyone outside of the theater realm, like, knew who he was. Here's my thing with Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> okay. He was, like, uh, like, like, um, like a single episode type character on Law & Order SVU, like, a couple times. Mm. And so... Every actor was. <laughs> right. But so, like, that is my initial impression of him. So when, like... You know, Hamilton. Oh, like that was the first time you yeah, saw that him. Yeah, the first. And, like, that was before, because he was, like, he did that a lot of that, like, single episode kind of acting roles. And so I'd seen him on a few TV shows. And then when Hamilton came out, I'm like, wait, that guy? The guy from, the guy from Law and Order? <laughs> and so it's, like, still confusing to me, and I need to, like, 
rework my just like a general person parasocial relationship to yeah it's like the first time you see somebody like that's what you associate them with yeah (laughs) this is you know lin-manuel from law and order exactly musicals that's very funny (laughs) anyway anyway Hey, Rachel here. So I went back and fact-checked myself, and unless IMDb is lying to me or he was an unlisted actor, then it appears Lin-Manuel Miranda was actually not on Law & Order SVU. However, I was also an avid watcher of House, and he definitely was in a couple episodes of that. So we're just going to say that's the couple-episode character that I know him from. Point still stands. Oh, I saw um, a production of um, The Merchant of Venice with Al Pacino. What? In the lead role, weirdly enough. Uh, yeah, I have I, a poster I buy from that. it. I think that sounds awesome. Yeah, it was great. Not that I know anything about The Merchant of Venice, but like Al Pacino. Yeah, Shakespeare, you know. <sighs> anyway, so it's a thing that has always been very important to me in my life. You know, I was like a, like a capital T, capital K, like theater kid <laughs> in the same way that I like to think that I'm like a millennial prophet for Enya or like I let's you get are. people it's my age to, true. if not love and enjoy, at least respect and appreciate Enya for who she is and what she does. I want to do the same thing for musicals with people who maybe think that they don't like musicals. So like when you were a young theater kid, what about musicals like really stuck to you i think that there is a level of emotion that can be conveyed live in the theater that can't in a lot of other artistic mediums mediums of storytelling Mm -hmm. and i am just really drawn to that the kind of feelings that you can get when you're seeing something performed live and you're like in it and you can really kind of suspend your disbelief in the way that you have to when you're watching live theater because you know there's people in costumes like right in front of you and they're you know running around and singing and dancing and you just have to like accept that all of that is valid and also just like when a musical is good and like the music just hits like and you go see a performance and you leave the theater and you're like that was the best thing I've ever seen in my life like it just hits so good and like a way that I you know, have never really gotten from, like, seeing a good film. I know that, you know, there are people who who feel that way about films and about other mediums, but I think there really is nothing like a really good musical and seeing it live. I just love the shamelessness of it all mm-hmm. and how ridiculous it is. That's what I want people to appreciate. It's interesting to me that that's what you gravitate toward as mm-hmm. someone who is so, like, intentionally reserved in your real life. Like you, well, don't... you need an outlet somewhere. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's like a, like a it feels like a a real escapism thing. Yeah, and like it allows you proximity to this uh, type of behavior that doesn't feel comfortable for you. Yeah, I mean that's kind of why like I love doing karaoke. Yeah, and, like I love you really get into the theater of karaoke. Yeah, I, I like really get into the theater of karaoke. We and, both like, do. Yeah, and you know I love being on stage even like in the ensemble in the back like I was always having a good time because it really did feel like it's a lot easier to be loud and obnoxious and and shameless in that way when you're telling another story or you're dealing with this other material it it really is just like an an outlet to be 
a little bit ridiculous and a little bit theatrical. We know that I love a lot of musicals, but I don't, this is something I don't know about you. I don't know a lot about your experience with musicals. Like, are there any that you have seen live? Is it mostly just like movie musicals? Like, have you ever been in one, even when you were younger? So I, when I was younger, did like, I was interested in acting and did a play at the, like the movie theater in my hometown did a bunch of different kind of like after school-ish activities, but they were also just like like community engagement classes sort of for lack of yeah. a more fitting term. And so I did a, a play at the theater. It was called A Town Called Normal and it was about a bunch of kids who like suddenly get superpowers. Mine was arson, and um, <laughs> you are a fire sign. That makes sense. It, it, it really like I, I chose it. Like here's the thing, I chose it. <laughs> I, we got to choose our powers, and I was like, I want to light stuff on fire. Um, and then they have to kind of learn how to like effectively use their powers. And then I wanted to. I tried out for either like I feel like it was. The Wizard of Oz or something that like the high school was putting on. Mm. Um, either when I was in middle school or high school, and we did not have a rule where if you tried out, you got in, and I was not cast. So that oh, no. probably ended my <laughs> acting career. Oh no. And well, you know, if I'm not immediately good at something, I don't know how to learn to be better. Yeah. We're working on it. <laughs> and um other than that, like I had a best friend who was very involved in the theater, was very involved in band, and was super into musicals. I definitely she like loved Wicked when it came out. I don't really remember much of Wicked. Like I never saw it, but I yeah. just like know that was like part of her personality. And um <laughs> that tracks. <laughs> I know I like had the DVD for Phantom of the Opera, the movie in the two thousand four movie really? with Gerard Bartlett. Yeah. And like Really liked it. Like, really, really liked it. That's wild to me. Yeah. Uh, and I saw Heather's The Musical with with Dear Friend of the Pod, Anna Ladd. Um, But I wasn't, like, super into it because I feel so, like, attached to Heather's The Movie. Like, yeah. Like, obviously a big Winona Ryder fan. And just the movie is already so much. Mm -hmm. And, like, there's just a lot that I really love about it that mm. that I feel like the I couldn't let go enough to accept the, like, character changes and mm. plot changes of the musical. That's interesting because I've I've listened to the Heather soundtrack, but I've never seen the show. In the early 2000s, there was a little bit of a shift where, like, there were a lot of movies being adapted into musicals. Mm -hmm. um, the Legally Blonde musical – Side note is very good. Sick. It is interesting to see, like, you know, in the ways that people talk about, like, a bad movie adaptation of a musical, like, there can also be, like, weird musical adaptations of movies. For sure. Because, you know, they're obviously, like, they're adding songs where there weren't before, but you do kind of have to sometimes change characters, change plot points a little bit to make things make sense for the stage. And it's interesting in the case of Heather's, too, because that is already kind of a ridiculous movie yeah everything is so heightened and yeah everything is already on 10 which works very well for the theater because that is kind of the point where like you you have a lot of very heightened emotions very heightened characters you know you got to play the cheap seats as they say <laughs> um so it, it does seem like heather's would weirdly work well as a musical but i get like if you're so familiar with the movie that like seeing it in that environment with the changes that they had to make that that would be kind of weird yeah. 
That is also very interesting to me that you really like the Phantom of the Opera. I've never seen the Phantom of the Opera movie. Unfortunately, I don't think I have that DVD anymore. I would lend it to you. I have to watch it at some point. I'm not actually like... I think I'm due for a rewatch, you know? We should watch it. I'm not actually like a huge fan of Phantom of the Opera. Why is that? Or like uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber in general. Mm -hmm. His musicals are a little bit ridiculous, like even for me. Like a lot of my favorite musicals are actually like a little bit more grounded in real emotions and the way Angela Weber writes. It's a little bit, it's very sweet. He's not trying to like challenge you in any uh, real way. Yeah. What's the word? Cloying. Okay. Yeah. His, yeah. his shows in general, I think are a little bit cloying. A lot of the music is good. Like I like, I like some of the songs from Phantom. I like some of the songs from Cats. Um, you know, Jesus Christ Superstar. But I, on the whole, prefer other composers to the shows that he does. Well, I did see one other musical recently because Netflix just put out that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> An adaptation of the musical Tick, Tick, Boom by Jonathan Larson. And that was, um, that really did some did damage it hit you? in you? my brain space that really um, yeah. hit a little too close to home. It maybe even like came into my home and made itself comfortable. Yeah. And I was like, what are you doing here? And it was like, you invited me. And I was like, not yeah. like this. So like being almost 30 and then watching a, a movie musical about someone who's almost 30 and feels like they haven't accomplished anything that hit home to you. Uh, <laughs> why did my answer in retrospect? Wow. I would love that. I'm maybe five minutes into Tick, Tick, Boom, and he's singing that song about how you have all of these works that other people made, and you're looking at you know this thing you've been working on for a long time, and you are going to turn 30 soon, and you have nothing to show for it. And I feel both like I'm paralyzed and shaking, because this is pretty much exactly where I'm at in my life right now. Leave it to me to make your episode also about me, but I'm going to try to stop now. <laughs> I'm, like, glad nobody was with me when I watched that movie. <laughs> it was embarrassing. It was bad. I just, like, feel like my face just had so many different things happening yeah. on it. I gotta be honest. I would have loved to be there. Yeah. You, you would have. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, besides being um, personally attacked, mm. um, <laughs> how did you like it? I loved it. I was really, really drawn in by, um, I mean, Andrew Garfield, I thought, just like Incredible. disappeared into the role. I did not yeah. even see him Acting. There. <laughs> Ever heard of it? Um, and, you know, I was like a little bit, so I didn't have any context for it when I walked in. I just like really walked in knowing, right. like total ignorance. So a little bit of the um, just like directorial choices of, uh, Essentially, for anybody else who, like me, had no context, Tick, Tick, Boom is itself a musical, which I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And it's like the movie on Netflix has like Jonathan Larson performing that musical interspersed with what are like real life scenes of him living out the things that were happening That that is the story. Of the musical. Yeah. And I didn't quite get that at first. It took me like half the movie to really understand that that's what was going on. Oh, I mean, like, I sort of got it, but I, I just didn't have the context for it until afterwards to like fully know that, especially because there are like 
parts of the movie where he is actually workshopping material. So it's just like, right, what? But it was really, really good and just like so relatable for this place where I'm at in my life. But it was also just like a little bit um, extra the universe putting pressure on me personally. There is a musical within the movie, within the musical. You think I would understand a bit that deep considering what we do here and yet. Yeah, and yet. So I guess to give a little bit of context of Tick, Tick, Boom specifically. Yeah. Tick, Tick, Boom is a musical. It originated as a one-man show by Jonathan Larson, who is best known for writing Rent Mm -hmm. musical. And there is a little bit of this, like, lore around him because he wrote this musical this or the show Tick, Tick, Boom that is kind of specifically about, like, what you accomplish by, like, a certain time in your life. And the day of, like, the first preview of Rent, um, he died very suddenly of, I believe, an aortic aneurysm. And so it all kind of came a little bit full circle. And after his death, Tick, Tick, Boom was adapted by other people from a one-man rock monologue, they call it, um, to a musical for three actors. So the the musical within the movie, that's like Andrew Garfield at the piano, and then like there's the other two singers, one of whom is Vanessa Hudgens. I'm sorry, I'm like lost in a thought, which yeah. is, what is, <laughs> it was, what is a monologue when it's two people? And then I realized that's a dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> And then it's literally a dialogue. Because what I was trying to say is, why don't we call coping skill shows rock dialogues? Well, I mean, there are like in the way that like Tick Tick Boom is a musical for three people. Mm-hmm. There are musicals for two people. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, but it is literally a dialogue. Yeah, anyway, distraction over. <laughs> that is the word. Um, so yeah, so that's. Tick, Tick, Boom, the musical. The first time I had heard the soundtrack for the musical, I was in high school. The original production of the musical was performed in 2001, I believe, with Raul Esparza as Jonathan Larson, who sings one of the songs that I'm going to play later. Mm. We'll get to it. But so, yeah, there was the original rock monologue that Jonathan Larson performed in the 90s. And then there was the reworked three-person musical, Tick, Tick, Boom, that premiered in 2001 and that's kind of what's being performed in the movie and then there's the scenes from the movie that are the musical in the movie is basically the narration it's it's exposition sure um and then the scenes in the movie are kind of showing you his like life it it is all very like meta and it is a musical well it is a movie that I think was made specifically for like musical theater fans, which I think worked to its favor. Sure. Because I think too often you get people adapting musicals for movies who don't really have any respect for the medium. Cough, cough, Tom Hooper. Um, <laughs> I don't know who that is. <laughs> who he directed the, the Les Mis movie mm. with Anne Hathaway and Hugh Jackman and also Cats. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Notoriously. Notoriously cats. Yeah. And he he's an example of someone who, when making a movie adaptation of a musical, kind of did the most that he possibly could to make it as not a musical as possible and didn't really understand the appeal or what. Anyway. I think that just <laughs> This like is not about Tom Hooper. But it comes down to a, a general 
issue where things are made to try to attract the widest audience possible right. versus like to service uh, a specific type of audience. And then maybe because it services a specific type of audience, there is something that is like when what often happens when you service a specific type of audience is there's something like human and connecting in it that it does have a wider appeal that people don't expect it to because it is made with a lot more intention. Right. I think that's like just a mistake that gets made often. Right. So Lin-Manuel Miranda of Hamilton and In the Heights. And Law and Order SVU. And Law and Order SVU fame. <laughs> <laughs> um, directed this movie. It's his, his first movie direction. And he actually did a very good job with it, I think. It's interesting. Tick, Tick, Boom specifically is kind of a very weird thing to want to adapt to a movie because it's not a very widely known or popular musical. It's kind of legendary in the theater realm because of Jonathan Larson. But it it was a very meaningful adaptation for Lynn, especially because I think Lynn got a lot from Jonathan Larson, um, tried to take after him a little bit. And him and his work meant a lot to Lin-Manuel Miranda. And so I think he wanted to make this movie kind of as a love letter to Jonathan Larson hmm. um, and his work and his legacy, which I think is very interesting and, and very cool. So anyway, now we have this mutual experience with Tick, Tick, Boom. Yeah, a good, a good jumping off point for me to really good, start wrapping myself into this episode. Yeah, I've made a playlist. Yes, <laughs> indeed you have. It's six songs. This is really stupid, but I picked six songs specifically because there's this movie slash documentary on HBO called Six by Sondheim. And it's about Stephen Sondheim. It has a lot of clips of interviews from him, but it also it, it kind of tracks his musical career through six songs from different shows so i had just rewatched that on hbo the other day and so i wanted to pick six songs that specifically were important to me that's a really nice way to pay homage to him in this time thank you yeah. i love steven sondheim <laughs> so i sent this to you ahead of time and you listened through it yes you sent it to me late last night i know and somehow <laughs> i managed to listen to it like four times through this morning I know, because I was struggling a lot with what, <laughs> with what shows and what songs. There's so many choices, but, you know, you need to give yourself some parameters. Totally. Do you have any immediate reactions to the playlist as a whole, any of these songs? Um, three out of six, definitely. Okay. And, like, again, just felt personally victimized by Lauren DeLuca. <laughs> but um, I sort of, like, remembered... so. The first song on the playlist is I don't I know it's something slash defying gravity. What is the first? It's just defying. It's gravity. just defying gravity. Yeah, that whole thing is one song because it feels like two sections. It's a six. It is a six minute song, it but, like, but it does feel like there's like a shift, like a, yeah. a big shift. The whole thing there. is the whole thing is called defying gravity, and it's from Wicked. It is from Wicked. Um, but you know that that big and en ending kind of like the defying gravity line it's the first act closer yeah um i vaguely remember that from when uh previously aforementioned friend who was personality was wicked for a bit um was that when that was their personality yes uh and also like you know I, I, again that whole like before i talk about myself yes would you explain what's happening in that moment of the musical. Oh, in Wicked? Which, yeah, when this song is... 
Oh, okay. Happening. So this song, Defying Gravity, I think it's it's one of the most famous ones from the show. It's the first act closer, which means like this is kind of like the height of conflict. Mm-hmm. You know, Wicked is a musical adaptation of the book Wicked that is a prequel to the events of The Wizard of Oz. Right. So it's about the Wicked Witch of the West. Glinda the Good Witch is there. She's also in this song. Right. And then some other characters are there too. The actual plot of Wicked is like kind of ridiculous the the more you think about it. But basically like Glinda and the Wicked Witch of the West name is Elphaba in the show. Glinda and Elphaba are friends and something happened and they're like, their their paths are diverging. Um, And Glinda's basically like, why do you have to be like this? And Elphaba's like, I'm going to be me. You know, you can't bring me down. Yeah, it seems like this is the moment where Elphaba is deciding right. that she is going to, like, kind of break her away full, Her from- full self. Yeah. She's like, yeah. So without getting, because if I try to get into the, like, the plot of Wicked, we'll be here all day. Sure. So we're going to play. <laughs> Elphaba, why couldn't you stay calm for once instead of flying off the handle? I hope you're happy. I hope you're happy now. I hope you're happy how you hurt your cause forever. I hope you think you're I'm gonna lip sync all these songs too, I just hope you know. <laughs> I, I expected it fully. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hope you're proud how you would grovel in submission to feed your own ambition. So though I can't imagine how I hope you're happy right now. This is also um, Idina Menzel, the original cast of Wicked. Right. Alphaba being played by Idina Menzel, who was also in the original cast of Rent and oh, is also really? in the Rent movie yes. as Maureen. Okay. And has also done a bunch of other stuff. She's in Frozen. Oh, I knew that. Um, yeah. She's the wife in Uncut Gems. Okay. If that means anything to anybody. Um <laughs> And Kristen Chenoweth is Glinda, who has also been in a bunch of things. Something has changed within me. Yeah, see, this is the moment where it feels like it could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It becomes another song, sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Wicked, I think. I should have fact checked this. I think Wicked is the. Oh, I was just that that. I would, this, this, the moment in the song, I was like, ah! Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's all. Um, oh, is it that I'm through with playing by the rules of someone else's game? Was Maybe. that it? <laughs> <laughs> I think Wicked was the first show I saw on Broadway. And you have to understand, when Wicked came out, like, theater kids live for this shit. Yeah, I noticed. It's... <laughs> It is one of those shows that, like, became people's personalities. You're having delusions of grandeur Through accepting limits Cause someone says they're so Some things I cannot change But till I try, I'll never know Too long I've been afraid of Losing love, I guess I lost Well, if that's love, it comes at much too high a So I wanted to put this on the playlist because it is 
the first show I saw on Broadway. It is like your quintessential like theater kid show. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Everybody loves it. Again, the more you think about the plot as you grow up, the less sense it makes. But I think the music still slaps. Um, and this part in the show is like when you see this live, like at the climax of it, like Alphaba like raises up into the air, and like it's very, it's like very intense. I'm also a sucker for a first act closer. There's actually the next song is also the first act finale. Okay. Um, I'm I'm a sucker for a first act finale because that's where you know the emotions of the show kind of reach their peak. Sorry, I just noticed that there's like slap bass in this. Yeah, it's sick. How <laughs> <laughs> did I never notice that before? I mean, also tag yourself. <laughs> Honestly, it's a challenge. It is a little challenge. I think in the in the beginning when Glinda says, uh, "Alphabo, why couldn't you have stayed calm for once instead of flying off the handle?" Oh yeah, that one's that part's easy. <laughs> I felt that very deeply. <laughs> yeah, I think you are more likely to be like, "Fuck all y'all." Like, yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> Here's where it gets really good. This is where you belt. Yeah. I haven't listened to the soundtrack in so long, and I like went back to listen to these songs, and I was like, this still hits. Oh, yeah. Like, it still hits. And nobody in all of us, no wizard that there is or was, is ever gonna This is where she starts rising into the sky. Uh, yeah, you can feel it. You yeah, can, yeah, yeah. You can yeah, feel yeah. it. When she says, nobody's gonna bring me down, and then she... Yeah, starts flying. It's very poignant. <laughs> I love that song. Like, that's like <laughs> it's very powerful. You God. can really feel the tension. Yeah, this is this Wicked has sort of canonically become like the Phantom of the Opera. So like it's it's become like a blockbuster musical. Mm-hmm. It's it it opened in I think 2003, 2004 and it's been going ever since and like selling out. Like mm-hmm. it's one of the only shows on Broadway that's still like consistently like selling out shows. People still want to go see it. It's and it, I I wanted to put it on this playlist because like it is one of those quintessential theater kid shows and it it was true for me. Like I I really loved the show and it like when it is one of those shows that when you see it live, you're like, oh, like I get it. Yeah. Like I get 
like you see this, especially like this song live and you're like, I understand like why people like this and like the feeling that it gives you. Anyway, how do you feel about Defying Gravity? <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> they're also, it's really worth noting that they're doing a movie adaptation of Wicked. Ariana Grande is going to be Glinda. So Whoa. that'll be interesting. She actually like really loves Wicked. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I'm happy for her. Yeah, I get it, girl. Um, the same person who did the In the Heights movie is doing that movie. So, I don't know. Maybe it'll be good. Maybe it'll suck. Who's to say? <laughs> Moving on to our next song from what I think is, it, like, if I had to pick, like, my favorite musical, it would probably, the one that I feel, like, most strongly about, it would be this one. It's a musical. <laughs> I already know what it is. Okay. <laughs> because I know this about you, too, and that your favorite musical is Les Mis. I'm a slut for Les Mis. Like, I, like. <laughs> I, Put that on a t-shirt. I really, yeah, I really love it. I I love the ense- that it's an ensemble cast. I love all the music. I love the story. It's like one of those classic shows that I, you know, I could be a hater on like Andrew Lloyd Webber, but like this is also like a classic show and I just like, I love it. So this is also, I'm going to play the act one finale. It's called One Day More. Mm-hmm. Um, this one I had trouble picking a song for because I wanted to play a song from Les Mis and I was maybe going to play on my own because that's my favorite solo from the show. Um, but I I wanted to throw a lot of ensemble numbers on here. Um, and why is that? Because that is like part of what you can do with a musical that I really love is, you know, especially in a lot of these songs, you get a lot of different voices happening all at the same time telling their own stories. And I, I don't know, I'm also just like, I'm just a sucker for a good ensemble number. So we're gonna, we're gonna play One Day More. One day more. It's Colm Wilkinson, who originated the role of Jean Valjean in the original London cast and also the original Broadway cast and also the 10th anniversary concert. So he's like really part of this. He's the dude. He's He's like, he's the dude. He's the guy. Um, He was also in the Les Mis movie as um, this character called the Bishop, who is in the very beginning of the show. That's kind of the catalyst for Jean Valjean, like, getting his life together. Mm. He offers him kindness. So it was a nice gesture of, like, passing the torch, you know? Yeah. Um, so I don't really know anything about Les Mis, to be oh. honest. But what I'm getting out of this act one closer yes. is that this main character, who's, I'm assuming a main character. Yes. But who's taking what I would call the lead in this song. Yeah. Uh... We'll be gone tomorrow, and it feels like maybe he is running away so as not to be captured. You would be correct. Woo! Well, yeah, he's like the whole thing is that you know the lead character Jean Valjean is kind of on the run the entire show. Yeah, um, from this police officer called Javert, um, who is out to get him. Hmm. Why? Um, because he. Uh, so Jean Valjean gets arrested for stealing a loaf of bread and then he gets released after 19 years and then he like changes his name and his identity and he 
lives a new life and starts over. Um, but he breaks his parole in the process, and this guy, Javert, who's a cop, basically uh, figures it out and then makes it his life mission to put him back in jail. Uh, and this dude, Javert, is just, like, always chasing him because he's, yeah. like, the one that he's got, got away. He's got, like, a hard-on to catch Yeah, him. he's, like, the one that got away. It's, like, very homoerotic. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and um, uh, there's, like, one song where they're, like, in, like, in the middle of, like, a... They're like fighting with each other and they're like singing into each other's faces. Wow. It's like very, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I can't believe that this is like the quintessential like stealing a loaf of bread. Yeah. Story. Les Mis is about a French Revolution, not the French Revolution. Mm. It's a, a very, it's a smaller like, it's a rebellion, I would say. Sure. It's about a rebellion of like students and like they rebel against the soldiers or whatever and then they all die and everyone dies and. It, as they do. Not everyone dies, but a lot of people die. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a story about the, uh, you know, the, the, the proletariat rising up against their oppressors. You sure, know, that yeah. kind of, yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Wait, that note. It's so good. I would say I have my qualms with the with the Tom Hooper movie that came out in 2012, but it's a decent watch if you want to know more about like the story. I would also recommend watching the 10th anniversary live concert mm-hmm. of this show where they have a lot of the original cast singing the music in front of a orchestra and they're not like acting it out. There's it is also a sung through musical, so the entire thing is sung there's no real dialogue um so basically just sing the songs and by doing you can do that with a show like this because you know they sing all the songs and that's basically the whole show sure but the concert is very good and it kind of like you know tells you what's supposed to be happening or whatever um i just wanted to include this because i love les mis um and um i needed to put a song in there i also to bring it back to my early years my school did a combined middle and high school production of les mis when i was in eighth grade Mm-hmm. And um, that was very formative for me because I was like in the show with like the older kids. Oh, and yeah. I was like, oh, this is my future. This is so cool. I mean, like all the middle schools were basically just like street urchins or whatever. <laughs> so anyway, Les Mis is a great show and uh, everyone should watch it and listen to the soundtrack. It's amazing. Moving on to our next song. <laughs> the next one like caught me really off guard for yeah. a second. Not Tell for me the about reason it. you think. Tell me about it. Not for the reason you think. Okay. Because the the intro like guitar chord both like tonally and it might even be like the same chord or like a half step off or something. Sounds like this song, the beginning of the song All Over You by the Spill Canvas. <laughs> And I was like, had a moment of like, what, what, what's going on? <laughs> and then, you know, the song comes in and immediately and I'm like, ah! ah! Anyway, the song's called Totally Fucked and it's a I a do banger. want you to listen to like the first strums of this and then listen to the first drums of this Bill Canvas song just so you know what I'm talking about. Okay. Should I do that off pod? No, right now. Right now? Okay. Wait, so I pull up the song? Yeah. Okay. What's the song called? All Over You. And you could just stop it there. That first, that, that first, and then, 
Yeah. That's, yeah. No, I see what you're saying. And now play Totally Fucked. I see what you're saying. Yeah. It does sound like it might be the same chord. It's very, very similar. The song is called Totally Fucked. The song is called Totally Fucked. Um, this song is from a show called Spring Awakening. Mm-hmm. Um, Spring Awakening is a musical adaptation of a play called Spring Awakening mm-hmm. from the late 19th century. Um, this show is about teens in Germany that are just super horny and nobody talks about it. Whoa. <laughs> well, it's all the kids being like, why won't the adults like teach us about like sex ed and like what's happening there's oh whole, yeah there's a whole plot in the show about like one of the girls like gets raped and like then dies in childbirth Aww. and she was like i didn't even know that's what was happening like nobody, nobody it's like it's pretty bleak it. yeah it's pretty bleak but this is the example of like a modern rock musical this musical came out in 2006 you're a middle schooler and you're into theater and this show comes out and you're like, holy shit, they said <laughs> fuck in the show. Model- multiple times. It's, it was the coolest thing ever. Yeah. But anyway, I, you know, Spring Awakening was another one of those musicals, like, kind of like Wicked, where you're like, if you were of a certain age at that time and you were into theater, like, this was like huge. And this is also, I think, a good example of like where you know, the modern rock musical is going like this. This music, the music for the show is written by Duncan Sheik. Really? Yeah. Do you know uh, Duncan yeah. Sheik? Yeah. He had that song, Barely I'm Breathing. Barely Breathing. Yeah. yeah, of course. Um, He did the music for the show. That makes sense. Yeah. That's cool. I was listening to this song and I was like, this is what the coping skills musical would be. Like. <laughs> yeah. There's a moment you know you're fucked. It's many moments, good sir. I love it. Inch more room to self-destruct. That's a really good line. Yeah. No more moves, oh yeah. The dead end zone. Man, you just can't call your soul your own. I love this part. The thing that makes you really jump is that the weirdest shit is still to come. You can ask yourself, hey, what have I done? You're just a fly. The little guys, they kill for fun. Man, you're fucked if you just freeze up. Can't do that thing that keeping It's so good. Yeah, I mean, this show was like kind of revelatory at the time Mm -hmm. you know kids saying fucked and singing about sex and uh it's pretty wild Mm -hmm. disappear yeah I really, this is the kind of song that I want, like, a band to cover. Yeah. I want to do, like, I have had this weird fantasy about doing, like, a like a Halloween cover set, but instead of another band, like, covering songs for musicals. Why don't you do that? Because I'm not that good at music. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not with that attitude. Well, like, I would have to, like, A, get 
people who are good at music and be care enough about musicals to learn the songs and like I'd have to pick what the right songs would be. They'd probably all be from like modern rock musicals. But you can make it happen. Yeah, I think it would be, be cool. Fun. I want like a you know, a group of people doing like ensemble gang box. Gang some box. gang box. <laughs> some live gang box. Some real live gang box. I think it would be good. Do you wanna be part of Lauren's uh musical rock yes. opera cover set yes. email us at moretalklessrock at gmail.com yes I think it's a good idea if you're in a group of your friends and you start singing this song and you all just scream blah 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 <laughs> at the end of it, it's so much fun it's so much fun Anyway, that's totally fucked. And this is where I put it. Sponsored ad. If I had one! Sorry, lost the happy, but the happy's back! Ooh, next show. Well, the next song is a song from a musical called Next to Normal. It's about a family where the mother is... There's some parts of this that haven't aged super well. The mother is bipolar, um, and she... Their son dies very, very young as a very young child and she like hallucinates him Mm -hmm. as like a teenager throughout the show. And it's a show about like mental illness and grief. And, and this song is sung by the daughter uh, who's basically like, you don't pay attention to me because all you care about is like your dead son. Right. Um, And this, this song I love in particular because it's in 11, eight, which is stupid. It's just so weird. Um, which I love because I love an odd time signature. This song is called Superboy and the Invisible Girl from another rock musical <laughs> from 2009. Superboy and the Invisible Girl Son of steel and daughter of air He's a hero, a lover, a prince this is another one of those like edgy rock musicals where like if you were into theater in high school, you were like, this is the coolest thing that's ever been made. Because it felt super like revolutionary. Yeah. yeah. Like it um He's immortal for Like it it felt then there's me. You know, it's kind of this era of people making like relatable like modern day shows. that are like supposed to be set in the present day they're not historical they're not fantastical they're not they're like like this is a story about like a modern day family and right like, yeah Superboy and the invisible girl. He's the one you wish and that's also something I like about another show one of the, the next two shows that we're going to talk a little bit about Alice Ripley, who played the mother in the show for, like, the entire time that it ran, like, from previews through on Broadway in the touring cast, like, did, like, did, like, on the West End, did, like, this role, like, forever. Whoa. 
That bass line was crazy. I was like, I don't know why I've like never listened to these songs in headphones, but I'm like, oh. <laughs> That is supposed to be a little bit of a twist, I guess, spoilers for next to normal. Um, that <laughs> that um, they don't tell you till later in the show that, that he's a hallucination. Yeah, that yeah. he's not. Gotcha. Um, that like everyone else in their family is like, no, he's been dead for 16 years. Like, what right. are you talking about? And there's this whole song called My Psychopharmacologist and I where she just <sighs> sings about um, medications and side effects. Yeah, that and is was, a, a storyline that feels a little personal. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I how do you how do you feel about that? Uh, right now, I feel just like like again, like I feel like I'm being added by this playlist. I know, and um, you know, for listeners of the pod who don't know, I have a sibling who passed away like ten years ago, and so that is a. Relatable feel. Yeah. At, in moments, but not always. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Next is our first of two Sondheim musicals. This first one is called Into the Woods. Mm-hmm. And I was also, this was the show that, that I was in when I was a freshman and there were like no other parts in the ensemble cast. So I was just like a fairy that carried around some birds. Mm-hmm. But I really, really loved this show. I'm um, in this was the first Sondheim musical that I was really properly exposed to. I really like fall in love with him in particular. This song that we're gonna listen to is called Your Fault Slash Last Midnight. And this is another ensemble number that is very fun to sing with your friends when you're with a bunch of people who know the show. Right, right. Um, Because it's also like a lot of Sondheim musicals, it's like, it's kind of weird and, um, Basically, this musical is about a bunch of like Grimm's fairy tale characters, and uh, yeah, this has big um, Jack and the Beanstalk. He's a references char- in this yeah, song. Jack is is um, a character in this show. Yeah, and you know they talk about the beanstalk and you know the beans and the beanstalk and all that. But basically, the structure of this show is that like at the end of the first act, like everyone gets their happily ever after. And then by the end of the second act, like, half the ensemble cast is dead and everything turns to shit. Mm. So it's a little bit of a subversion of the, like, the fairy tale. It's a little bit of a testament to, I think, sometimes kind of ambivalence towards romance, towards happy endings, towards, like, making complicated characters and complicated people. And um, basically all these characters just, like, blaming each other for, like, all of the wrongs that have happened and then the witch comes in and is like no you all suck <laughs> we all suck everything's complicated anyway it's because of you there's a giant in our midst and my wife is dead but it isn't my fault i was given those beans you persuaded me to trade away my cow for beans and without those beans there'd have been no stock to get up to the giants in the first place wait a minute magic beans for a cow so old that you had to tell a lie to sell it which you what's told. like it's very hard to perform this number. Yeah, yeah, I can't imagine learning it, first of all. But what, um, what I think is really interesting about this number and having just seen Tick, Tick, Boom is you can feel, like, Jonathan Larson, like, maybe referencing this or taking inspiration from this kind of back and forth and, like, 
lyric writing for the fight between um, him and Susan. Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually, that's interesting to bring up because there, and this is in the, the Tick, Tick, Boom movie, is that Steven Sondheim was actually, like, in real life, a, a mentor to Jonathan Larson. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is in the movie played by Bradley Whitford. Who just, like, I love Bradley Whitford, so seeing him in anything, I'm just, like, excited. He did a great job. Yeah? Capture the essence? Yeah, if you've seen, like, any video of Stephen Sondheim singing, like, he he has the mannerisms, like, his face is, like, a certain way, and, like, Bradley really, like, he just got it so precisely is kind of wild. Who is that Walter... Walter character? That Richard Kind was. So like when, oh, yeah. and the, oh my God, I don't even know off the top of my head, honestly. Maybe I'll find out by the time this song is over. <laughs> so I also think that Richard Kind is just like um, hilarious and like somewhat understated, but sometimes overstated. But just like he, he's usually a similar kind of character, but does that very well. And I appreciate just the sound of his voice. He, oh, uh, he's playing Walter Bloom, head of the musical theater workshop. The name Walter Bloom. He's not a name that sounds familiar to me. I don't think he's like a like a famous theater person. Gotcha. Um. If you're listening to this and I'm wrong, don't fact check me. <laughs> also, Judith Light as Rosa. She's another person that I know from Law and Order SVU. <laughs> I love that. She's another like DA in a lot of episodes. Just like somebody that people go to for advice. I like her. And Richard Kind, I also know from like Scrubs, is my first memory of Richard Kind. Richard Kind's been in so many things. Yeah, he's very um, distinct. Yeah, in his look and his voice, like whenever he comes up, you're like, oh, that's Richard Kind. Exactly. Good for him. He's in this show, everything is gonna be okay. That I like a lot. Mm. Um, he does a voice of, I think, a couple voices on Big Mouth. Mm. And like, has had a career for like 30 years before this right, stuff. Right, 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 right. <laughs> you know, right. Okay, so this uh, this person playing the witch in into the, the original cast of Into the Woods, her name is Bernadette Peters. She's a famous Broadway person um, and specifically done a lot of work with Sondheim shows. Like she plays, you know, the the witch in Into the Woods in the original cast, which is a lead role. She also played the lead role of Dot in um, another Sondheim musical called Sunday in the Park with George, um, which is also incredible. She has like very infamous like red curly hair like you can spot her for a mile away <laughs> she was in the Sunday scene in Tick Tick Boom oh. she was like one of the people that I was watching that and I was like oh my god it's Bernadette Peters <laughs> anyway Sorry, there's a lot of a uh, talk of yeah, like different. I see, like even if you, um, I never heard the show. Like they talk about the beanstalk, and you're like, oh. 
that's when she dies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After a scream like that, I think you will surely perish. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I wanted to include a song from Into the Woods because that show is really important to me because it was another show that I was in and it kind of introduced me to Sondheim, who I love and I love all of his shows. And I just love that song. That song, <laughs> the number of times I've just listened to that song, like in my life alone to no one and like sung the entire thing, all the parts by myself. It's so fun. It's a huge feat of stamina. <laughs> it's so fun. <laughs> Um, and then the last song I'm going to play is from another Sondheim musical called Company. It's one of the first musicals he did the music and lyrics for. Not the first, but it came out in 1970. Um, and this musical, I kind of came to appreciate more once I was out of high school. I'm going to play the ending song called Being Alive. This is um, the last song of the musical? It's the last song of the musical. This show is very interesting because it was kind of revolutionary in its time because it's a show that has a story and a premise but doesn't really have a plot. Basically, the gist of it is that this character, Bobby, is turning 35. He has a bunch of couple friends that come over for a surprise party, and the rest of the show are basically like short uh, kind of vignettes where he is spending time with each of these couples independently. And it's a show about marriage and commitment and, you know, vulnerability. And it's a show that is very grounded in reality Mm -hmm. in a way that I think is very interesting. Like when people, you know, there's a version, a revival of this show on Broadway right now um, that's gender swapped. So the, the lead character Bobby is played by a woman Mm -hmm. Um, there's also a gay couple in there but it's a show that's like meant to be set in the present day of whenever you are performing it sure and it's one that's kind of a little bit ambivalent about love because you know some of the couples like in the course of the show like they get into fights they get divorced so this is the last song on the show and Bobby's like oh, maybe, like, it's okay to not be the only single person in the world. It's interesting you say that, because I kind of got the opposite impression that the point of the song is, like, him being like, you know, maybe it wouldn't be so bad to actually put myself out there and someone to be with someone. You. Yeah, that's what I mean. Oh, you said maybe it's okay to not be the only, to be the, to not be the only single person. In the world. Like, right. Maybe it's okay to be single. Oh, that's not what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> I meant that he, he's finally like, oh, um, maybe it's okay Someone to like be a little bit vulnerable. And yeah. Yeah. And so for me, it felt like, like if this is the last song, is there like a resolution to this musical? Is this the resolution? Because it doesn't feel resolved. It feels like... Well, that's kind of the beauty of Sondheim. Yeah. Is that... It like is... It, it feels like it ends on a question. Right. It, it doesn't end with a happily ever after. Like, Bobby does not meet someone and get together and realize that being with someone is great and wonderful by the end of it. Like, he... It is a little bit ambivalent about love. Yeah. By the end. Um... Which is very interesting and not really... I mean, this show first came out in 1970. Like, yeah. At that time, like, 
shows were not, the fact that it didn't really have a strict plot was kind of revolutionary, and also the fact that it, it ended on such an ambivalent note was kind of revolutionary, and the fact that it was set in the present day about, like, real people in real world situations was also kind of revolutionary. Someone who like it or not This um, performance is from a revival of the show. This is um, uh, this is Bobby being played by Raul Esparza, who played Jonathan Larson in the original Tick Tick Boom musical. Right, yeah. Um, who's great. This production is also cool because there's a, a videoed a pro shot of it on the internet, and I, I recommend you watch it because it's very good. It's one of the performances where the actors also play the instruments, so there's no like orchestra or band. Um, so it's like kind of you know they play their instruments while they're performing but also like in the scenes where bobby's with one particular couple like you know the other couples actors are in the background like playing the music for the song it's very it's a very cool setup so like if you watch a video of this production like in this beginning part like raul esparza is playing the piano while he's singing this yeah you can kind of feel that in it like i pictured it that way Mm -hmm. even without knowing that Mm -hmm. because it kind of feels like somebody's having a private moment and that all of these other voices are more so like intrusive thoughts than they are people actually right saying it right in the moment right there's also like one line earlier in this song that like always gets me where one of the guys in the other couples as like an intrusive thought is like um you have so many reasons for not being with someone bobby but you don't have one good reason for being alone which always hits me. yeah there's another one like that um oh fuck i'll wait i'll hear it there's another one that's similar to that that also got me um I do this um this performance is on YouTube you look up this is kind of a, a side note but there's a whole culture of um, theater bootlegs on YouTube and they're they're called slime tutorials <laughs> so there's a, a pro shot of Sunday in the Park with George that someone put on the YouTube and under Sunday in the Park with George slime tutorial so you can find this at company slime tutorial There's also, I don't know, did you see Marriage Story? No, that movie, I avoided it. Yeah, me too, but um, I watched uh, a video of, uh, what's his name, performing the song at the end of the film. Adam Brody? Not Adam Brody. Why am I... Ugh, so good. Why am I literally blanking on his name right now? This is embarrassing. Adam Driver. Adam Driver! I didn't look. I figured it out in my brain. Adam Driver! Okay, well, Adam Driver sings the song at the end of the... It's a little on the nose, but he sings the song at the end of the movie after they've already been divorced, I guess. And also, there's a part... Spoiler! In the... 
there's a part in the middle of the movie where um, Scarlett Johansson does a little performance of another number from Company called You Could Drive a Person Crazy, which is also really good. I Company is one of my favorite musicals of all time. Um, all the music is great. I highly recommend watching a pro shot of it, um, either the, the Raul Esparza version from 2007 or they did a staged concert version of it in 2011 with Neil Patrick Harris and Stephen Colbert's in it mm-hmm. and also... Christina Hendricks from Mad Men is in it. Anyway, it's a very good show. And I wanted to end on this song because I love this song so much and it hits real good. <laughs> you, you were saying that you had brought up the line, um, you've got so many reasons for not being with someone, but you haven't got one good reason for being alone. And yeah. I've been, as you've been talking, just stuck trying to find the similar line that... Uh, Do you look up the lyrics? Yeah, because I just... Yeah, I have to do it or I'll just be stuck. Yeah. And um, it was, don't be afraid that it won't be perfect. The only thing to be afraid of really is that it won't be. And I was yeah. like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's a good one. It's a really good one. It really is. Um, The last two songs were my, my ode to Stephen Sondheim, who I love. I would check out any one of his musicals because they're all great. That's the end of my playlist. I feel like this is a, was a good encapsulation of like some of the shows that mean a lot to me. And yeah, and I hope that it too also kind of showed the the variety that there can be in musicals. Definitely. I think a lot of people who I think don't like musicals tend to think that like they're all like cats or they're all like very heightened, like singy, dancey, like all over the place. And, you know, I love those shows too. Like, I will defend cats. But musicals are a medium just like anything else. You know, just like film, just like TV. And there's different stories that you can tell within that, different ways you can tell them. And, you know, I understand, like, if maybe the medium of the musical is, like, not your thing. Because I do like... I do like to joke that I don't like films. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I do tend to prefer TV as a medium. That doesn't mean that there aren't movies that I love. You know what I mean? Right, yeah, I know that you have seen Pride and Prejudice like a million times. Yeah, exactly. Um, National Treasure, ugh, some of the best. But I guess in that same vein, I would, I just want to, you know, tell people that if you think you hate musicals, I would say give some a try. Um, if you want some recommendations, hit me up on Twitter. <laughs> I'll try to give you some. <laughs> For a thing that you uh, that you may enjoy, because there are a lot out there, and they're all different, um, and they all have something cool and new to offer. And uh, I I would say too, like if you wanted to start with like, there's a lot of musical adaptations of movies out there. Maybe start with a musical of a movie you like. Again, I will say the Legally Blonde musical is pretty good. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of my my pitch. Yeah, I think you know to what you're saying, it is easy to get a passing impression of something and decide that is the whole of the thing without uh doing any further research or giving it any credit beyond that but sometimes if you do that you kind of miss out on the a well of treasures you know yeah the the depth of the thing yeah and I also say too that like if you don't like musicals because you don't like people who like musicals then like a, I get it, but B, like, <laughs> um, listen, we all like something where the fan base sucks. Yeah, exactly. Like, 
have you met like a film buff? Like <laughs> those people suck too. Like <laughs> that doesn't mean all movies are bad. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Give one a shot. Don't hate. Musicals are great. That rhymed. I'm just going to end it there. <laughs> <laughs> Some people think that we're the same. Call us by each other's name. So it's time to play a game called Tag Yourself. I just had like a vision of the m- musical biography of our friendship. <laughs> where that song becomes adapted into a full version about how people used to mix us up and and call us by each other's that would be name mm. i feel like we could make this this um this coping skills more talk less rock musical thing i'm just saying um yeah that would be like a minor song that wouldn't be like a major like plot point but it would help develop the characters right Anyway, uh, welcome to Tag Yourself, the part, uh, everybody's favorite part of the show where we take two arbitrary things and decide who is what um, amongst the two of us. Today we have another suggestion from TK Memis, who is uh, a very good photographer among other types of art mediums, so definitely check out their work. But TK says, after many, many episodes of trying to think what to put in this email and time passing, which allowed others to use what I may have suggested. Uh, side note, I wonder what they were going to suggest. Yeah, no, we've I done know. already. Um, I think, I suppose I will leave mine to coffee tea. So the tag yourself is who's coffee and who is tea. Yeah, I like this one because um, they're not characters. Yeah. In a thing. Yes, we don't have to ascribe, like, really qualitative aspects yeah, of identity. specific personality traits, yeah. It harkens back to, like, our first Tag Yourself where we did Apples and Oranges. Mmm, we did do that. I was just thinking if we've ever done anything else like this, and that's true. We the did OG. do Apples and Oranges, mm-hmm. yeah. I think this one is better than that one, though. Yeah, I think it's just different. Maybe easier. Um. Or there's like there's more to read into coffee and tea than there is into apples and oranges. Sure. I do have an idea. Can I throw it at you? Yeah. I wonder if it's the same idea that I have. Um, I was gonna say that I'm tea and you're coffee. That's what I was gonna say. Wow. Yeah, nailed it. Easy. Game um, over. But <laughs> for the sake of the <laughs> to thing. To extrapolate. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I feel like you're tea because you need to steep to open up the flavor. Mmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But you also gotta, like, brew... Well, I guess not. You don't brew coffee as long. You don't, like, let coffee sit. Well, I guess you do if you're we making, like, a French press. Cold brew. I'm reading yeah. too much into this, I feel like. Um, yeah. I but mean, I, like, get, I get the point you're making. Like, like, tea is, like, a tranquil activity. A little it, less caffeinated. Yeah. It's, like, a little more muted yeah. Um, coffee can be so many different kinds of things, and you have to do something. Um, you have to. Yeah, there are a lot of different kinds of practices about making it. It's also very polarizing, especially mm. in specialty coffee, about what is like the best mm. brewing method. Mm. And um, people just have like a lot of opinions on coffee in the way that they don't 
auntie. Not that I think people have a lot of opinions of me, but I, I think, think you have a lot of opinions. I think I have a lot of opinions. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, what else were you thinking? I'm curious. Oh, I was also, you know, tea in general also has like less caffeine, and I feel like in you know, coffee coffee feels like a more type A beverage. It is, yeah. Um, and I feel like you are a more type A person, hundred percent, than me. Yeah, I don't think anybody would disagree. There. I think over the years, I have gotten a little bit more, slightly more type A, and you've gotten slightly less type A. But I think on the whole, you are. You think I've gotten less type A? I think you've mellowed out a little bit. <laughs> oh. I think maybe we just don't live together anymore. Maybe, perhaps. <laughs> but um, anyway, all that to say that, um, yeah, I think – I was I was thinking like the caffeine route of like okay coffee has more caffeine which 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 strikes me as a more um a, you know more type A more we got to do the thing and mm-hmm. just like drinking tea being like hey man it's all good yeah <laughs> just riding the vibes you know like when the tea is just like hey man it's all good <laughs> just yeah. vibes over here I'm I just think steeping coffee can be so many different types of things mm-hmm. and I also feel like I. Am pulled in many different kinds of directions internally, so I relate to that. Something I think is interesting too is that I think people are aware that there are like different kinds of tea. You know, there's like black tea, there's like green tea, there's like oolong, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think people are like less knowledgeable that there are like different kinds of coffee. Like I feel like it's like maybe I'm assuming things, but oh, you mean like like the beans. Yeah, like, like in like single origin versus yeah, like, like it's blends like yeah, it's like yeah, it's like coffee where is, it comes from and how yeah. that affects the taste. Yeah, the way that it's washed. Yeah, or not washed. Yeah, I feel like coffee is a little bit underestimated in that way. Mm. Um, I don't know if that has to do with you. I just I just wanted to, to pontificate about coffee a little bit. Yeah, I feel like that would, <laughs> in some ways, maybe be more toward your credit because. Yeah, but I also feel like you're a little bit underestimated too in certain ways. Hmm. Or like, like you, you know, people who just meet you come across as one thing, but like, you spend a little time with it. Surprise, bitch! Yeah, you spend a little time with it. You gotta, uh, yeah. yeah. I do, do have some, like some cupping, a... some tasting. Get <laughs> yeah. the get the notes. You gotta know, get the tasting notes. Yeah. Get the complexity. Yeah, I and I feel like I can be uh, taken a lot of different ways. Um. <laughs> You know, like when you're <laughs> cupping and people taste different things. I feel like. Yeah. I guess that like variety and kinds of tea you kind of get in like coffee drinks. Yeah. There's a lot of different ways you can drink coffee, which basically more or less just amount to like what kinds of milk is going on and in what ratios. Sure. But anyway. Well, yeah. And the extraction and all the other. Anyway. That's neither here nor there. Yeah. <laughs> the point being. Former barista, not going to get for- into it. <laughs> I know. I don't know why I, you know more about coffee than I do. Yeah. Um, it's Okay. Um, all of that to say. All of that to say. I'm tea. And I'm coffee. Yeah. If you have a tag yourself suggestion for a future episode, uh, send it over to us. Moretalklessrock at gmail.com. We'll take a look and we'll uh, see if it's any good. And if it is, we'll throw it in a future episode. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of More Talk Less Rock. We record, produce, edit, and release it ourselves, and we hope you have fun listening to it. If you do enjoy the show, please give us a nice rate and review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen to it. We hear it helps people find it, and we would love if more people listen to us talk to each other. You can also follow us on social media. 
We're at More Talk Less Rock on Instagram and at MTLR Podcast on Twitter. And you can send us an email at moretalklessrock at gmail.com with any tag yourself suggestions or just to say what's up. Or to say that you want to be part of Lauren's rock opera musical cover show situation, TBD, TBA, et cetera, yes. et cetera, et cetera. Yes, that or if you want any musical recommendations, um, yeah. you can hit me up for that as well. Just, just, say, just email us. I'm Lauren. And I'm Rachel. And, and we're, we're just, just happy to be here. here. So I'm very <laughs> – what? The bus sound. Can you hear <laughs> just all bus sound in your headphones? <laughs> it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine.